0: Welcome to part two of our special featurette on security intelligence tradecraft in Africa, featuring Dr. Daleen Duvenage as our guest expert. So thank you very much, Daleen, for, you know, uh, joining us for this roundtable discussion, which is observing cross-domain approaches to intelligence analysis, um, where we're looking to highlight some of the similarities and differences and the in the objectives across each and every one of these sort of domains, Uh, uh, the sort of differences and similarities also in methods and outputs. Um, And we're definitely looking forward to sort of uh, draw on uh, your experiences and your perspectives as a career practitioner uh, uh, who's served in both the public and the private sectors. So I guess um, my uh, first topic in terms of, Interest uh, really stems from the, the sort of analyst toolbox which you've made reference to in some of your training programs uh, at Foreknowledge, uh, and and what you consider to be uh, essential to each and every uh, um, intelligence sort of aspect, whether it's uh, government, the private sector, uh, law enforcement, or the military. Um, what what exactly should be in the analyst toolbox for each and every domain? Um, maybe, maybe we can also take a look at the sort of differences and the way and the sort of different ways you've approached uh, this, especially when you've had to train people, whether they're in the private sector or in law enforcement.
1: Thank you, Vilani um, um, and Buki. Thank you for having me here. The interesting thing is. Um, these things are generic across all the domains, and I'm going to answer you. Might not um, expect. The first is um, humility. Um, that is that is the first thing that should be in your um, analyst toolbox, um, and that is a scarce commodity among the intelligence analysts, both in the private sector and the national um, security sector. The reason is mainly because we are so um, insulated um, in our work that we we don't really see how little we really know. Um, so the first thing for me, your biggest tool in your toolbox must be um, intellectual humility. The fact that you are just one spoke in a wheel, um, that you are just there to service the bigger good in the case of national security or to serve getting more um, profits when you're in the private sector um you're not as smart as you thought you were (laughs) um so the first thing that i that i tell people um that was also my first lesson when i uh, moved from um, national security into the um, training field and then into private sector was Um, I realize the intellectual arrogance um, that we have. And it comes, unfortunately, with a sense that we are very special. Um, We have access to very special information. Um, So that's the first thing that I I would um, suggest is that people understand that they are not that special. The other thing is um, um, you only know a part of the whole picture and um because of this intellectual arrogance that we are ingrained with you know especially when you work in the intelligence um, community a national security environment you're being told that you were special you were recruited because you're one of the best of the best etc et cetera, et cetera. And, and that um that makes for uh, an inflated ego um, and you can see that also with a lot of other people when you read other um, twi- tweets and, and articles is that p- 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 still people think that they, that they, you know, they are very special. And um, my first reality was, no, you're not special. You are really just only a, a reader and a writer. And if you're lucky, you might have impact on decision making. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is um, there was a lot of discussion and debate about whether um, we should focus on instinctive um, analysis or structured analytical techniques. And um, and there was a big school for for and against. And um, because one comes from a perspective where you realize, listen, but I don't know everything, your, your attitude becomes something like, let me take what I can from whichever source and whichever method and use that to understand the complex um, issue that I deal with much better. So for me, is it is not either or, it is an and-and. Um, and the whole idea of the analyst toolbox comes typically when you are um, a, a, a mechanic or whatever. You, you don't fix every problem with a spanner. You know, there are the spanner is being used for specific purposes, and this is the same with the analytical toolbox as well. Um, you have to understand what are your purpose and what is what is the client or what is the issue that needs to be addressed. You can't go in with a screwdriver and try to jack up a car with a screwdriver. It's just not going to work. And you would find people still trying to, but this is the only analytical tool that I know I'm going to use it, say, for instance, in a a political risk analysis, and I'm going to use it when I analyze uh, organized crime syndicate. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So, again, um, intellectual humility and understanding where you come from and what is your your need and your place within the whole process. Um, So, coming back to... um, the analytical toolbox also is um, the toolbox serves a purpose within a specific environment. So you have to know what is who is your audience. So you can't again use a screwdriver to jack up the car. You have to have something else. So it's very important that you need to know all the different facets of your decision maker, whether it's your operational commander when you're working at police or whether it's the, ac- the actual CEO of a company or, the, um, or someone in between. You have to understand what are those things that keep them awake at night. Um, it's also, and this also again refers back to um, intellectual humility, is that it's impossible to be the Jack or, or Jill of all trades um know yourself um know your weaknesses know your strengths um i myself when i was still with um with our intelligence agency in south africa um i was very good um uh, with being an in-betweener you know um so one of my colleagues was excellent operational analyst she knew exactly what happened where who was involved in what what um, a skirmish in the burundi rwanda war And I really, I I looked at it and I couldn't understand how she remembers all these names and and the context. And then on the other side, there was um, people that were really excellent strategically. They would have, um, they would take a political risk analysis and do a whole thing about the whole continent of Africa. And you sit there astounded. I was sitting in the middle. Neither fish nor flesh. And and that was, and that was for me was a really a big learning curve. So I understood that there are certain things, number one, that I need to improve. So I really improved um, my strategic intelligence capability. I'll come back to that later on how to do that. But the other thing is then to know who knows how to do these things that I don't know how to do it. So, um, and this is when your networking again comes in very important. Uh, very importantly, that you know who are the experts in a specific aspect of the thing that you are investigating. Um, So meaning that uh, the tools I have in my analytical toolbox is also other people. It's not only analytical techniques or the type of products I write um, for specific clients, but also other people. Um, So, just getting back to in terms of how I learned to be a better strategic intel- intelligence analyst was then to to actually make time with that person that I um, um, revered for his his um, strategic capacity. And I sat down and I asked him, how do you how do you do this? How do you approach this? So I focus a lot on the methodology. Um, so that in terms of my the analytical toolbox. um I will not tell you here that, you know, certain tools are better than others because it really depends on the context. It really depends on the day, the requirements of your client. Um, In the private sector, we do a lot more um, network analysis and profiling than we ever did in the national security. Um, Because of the need for the cli- of the clients for specific types of intelligence, you would do much more strategic type of uh, reports um, dealing with themes on foresight and what you think might happen in in this specific sector um, for the next year or two, than do um, a, a profile on. Uh, Government leader that I need to go and um, have uh, discussions with. So it really depends. Um, there's no no right nor wrong, um, and you would see also the debate on on structured analytical techniques have 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 re- reversed a bit. Now people understand, but your anal- analysis is not necessarily better when you use all these, say for instance, ICH um, analysis of competing hypotheses, because frankly we don't have the time to, to go through those different analytical techniques. But I know it's in my toolbox if I have the time uh, with my team to sit down and we want to to now, you know, spread our wings a bit and do an ACH on on something that might have happened or that might happen in the future. Um, but normally in the ordinary um, um, going of um, operational activities and deadlines, we don't have this that kind of um, luxury uh, to to go through all the different um, analytical techniques, you try to do what is what is necessary for specific environment and context.
0: Okay, Um, I mean, uh, you know, to sort of hinge on uh, something that you said in reference to methodology, um, especially looking at it from a perspective of which skills are being prioritized in certain uh, uh, sort of, uh, should we call them industries? At, mm. at this point in time, um, we know that from private sector experiences, someone who's a private sector intelligence analyst for, for a for a company that 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 sort of specializes uh, um, in in news and media coverage and probably has a lot of travel security, uh, sort of involved whereas uh if you look at someone who's in the extractives industry and maybe there's there's sort of a supply chain implication that even that uh, uh that you know even within the private sector they would sort of um, emphasize uh, certain skills over other skills and now just you know we don't usually get the opportunity to hear from a practitioner who's been both in government and then also gone to the private sector but then also uh, had a very very in-depth interaction with law enforcement type of intelligence analysis and I'm, and I'm looking at this from the standpoint of if you're looking at a state security agency and what it is which what it is that they do in the context of national security, the way that they would look at at, at a specific case or a specific individual would be target-centric uh, sort mm-hmm. of intelligence analysis. Whereas if you go into the law enforcement, there's, there's an, there, there, is, there is the criminal intelligence analysis, which hinges off of a sort of a criminal profile and how you build that and how you sort of compose that and you look for different types of information. So I guess that I'm basically trying to get an insight into how from your experience, which is primarily South African, but also uh, quite a host of other African countries, how you would see the sort of emphasis that sort of the different sort of uh, these, these sort of different domains, which sort of aspects they particularly focus on as these are the key attributes which we value the most in an analyst?
1: Um, again, something that is common across all the minds, a good analyst is insatiably Curious. They really need to know. They read. They try to understand. They look at things from different angles and with different lenses. That, um, in short, is what I'm also looking for when I um, am recruiting a new analyst. Um, You have people that are really knowledgeable about certain aspects. Let's say political risk analyst. and if they are not able to tweak that interest of political risk and stability, etc., into, for instance, travel risk advisories and give a, um, a, a recommendation for a company's um, people that are in the country, then that knowledge is purely academic. Um, so, so to put it short. Someone that's insatiably curious to try to understand what is in a situation and then also to be able to answer the so what? I think in the national security environment, my experience was that there's a lot of academic research going on um, that does not really make it to the actual decision maker uh, because it's interesting, but it's not, it's not, um, wow, so what? Uh, and and I must say, um, well, you know, my ten years as intelligence analyst on East Africa, I can think of two instances, only two instances, where my analysis went to the decision maker and caused some reactions. All right, so I'm I'm, I'm sort of very proud of those reactions. <laughs> um, but this is just to give you indication. While in the in the um, five six years that I've been with private intelligence every day this is so what every day everything i say has an impact on the operations of the company i was just saying i
2: agree with the point dealing was making about um really only sometimes or rather very rarely actually having um an impact on decision making um, and I found that to be more true in the private sector um, than the you know, national security, where um, you know, from, from the private sector standpoint, there's usually a very specific role that you play and there's a very specific need for you and for the work that you're doing, whether it's you know, a travel assessment for a CEO or you know um, a location assessment. You know there's there's a particular need. Whereas in you know national security, sometimes it's just intel analysts are just there to fulfill um, a policy requirement. You know, or your analysis is just to check a box as well, just so we can say we did the research. But as a policymaker, you know, you already have the decision you want to make, but you're required um to have the opinion of an analyst um, so on paper you get this analyst's opinion but you don't particularly particularly do anything um with it or about it um and i think additionally in the private sector you have to wear multiple hats um because mm-hmm. just each company doesn't hire a ton of analysts and so you you're almost forced to, you know, be the political risk analyst and the, you know, terrorism analyst and the crime analyst, you know, um, you have to try to do it all. Um, and, but again, in national security, we have a ton of analysts. And so it's it's almost easier to um, focus on a particular topic, or, you know, become some, uh, become a, a subject matter expert to say. Um, so I guess a follow-up question for you, Daylene, then would be, because you mentioned in your um, analyst toolbox to have you know certain strengths and certain weaknesses um, and understanding those and really playing to your strengths. Um, so for someone working in the private sector who has to, you know, like I said, wear all these hats. How do you effectively deliver to your client, um, even though you might have certain um, weaknesses that impede your ability to produce the best report? If if we're gonna say that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um in 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 the private sector um it is extremely important to also have a mandate um because that gives you sort of power now we know many many organizations do not have a specific mandate for intelligence unit so what i found was that uh, security risk management but specifically um, operational risk management or risk management from the whole organization if you can latch your work onto that it makes a lot of sense and then some and then someone is more willing to listen to you because you provide them insights in terms of emerging risks um, when we talk about um, you know operational uh, risk or even strategic risks um, and when you provide these operational kind of things to, in terms of travel risk advisory physical security threats to people in Wuhan or whatever um, they understand that your mandate is to keep them safe so in terms of um, playing to your strengths um, with my research now for my thesis, um, it became very clear that the private sector provides the, the, the ability and the opportunity for people to work more towards their strengths. So for instance, when you're a good researcher and you write good reports, that is the way that you deal with that. Other people don't really like intelligence analysts. Can you believe that they don't like uh, doing research or writing reports? But what they are excellent in is to, to network and to get to know the business better so that they understand exactly what are those risks. Slash threats that um, and deliverables that we as intelligence unit can provide to them. So I think it's very important, especially if you're in a group, your intelligence unit is small enough that you have a session where you learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and go as a unit. Um, you know, the, the main thing that I've experienced um, the difference is that somewhere or the other, uh, because we have to make our own mandate so to speak within the private sector uh, because we don't work for this greater good national security national stability and all the nice things that you can't really touch Um, but that the fact that we have to create our own um legitimacy within the the organization makes a stronger a stronger team to then be able to to work on 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 one another's uh, strengths and weaknesses um, so that um, the ideal unit would for instance have very strong risk analyst and for instance if you're a travel risk um, analyst you know by this time whenever someone goes to southeast asia this is the typical one two three number things that you provide them with um, and if you can come at a, to a stage where you have pro that you can just tweak here and there, you will ha- have more time to do proper, um, in- insightful uh, research to things that the, the client might not know he needs, but you think he might need that in the future. So um, I think just to come back to your question, um, play on your strengths. um Remember, the organization does not necessarily even know what intelligence analysts should be doing. So um, the benefit that you have about that is then you can tweak whatever intelligence analysis should be doing for that company. And you make sure that it speaks to your strengths and make sure that it works for them. As long as you can then latch it onto the bigger operational risk um, and um, risk management processes of the bigger organization.
0: That's an interesting sort of segue, um, uh, you know, to sort of maybe prod you a little bit about uh, your own um, uh, sort of your, your own sort of personal reflection on what it means to transition from the government to the private sector. I know that uh, you've, 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 you've definitely had that period and, and especially because there's a lot of people who are in government or law enforcement agencies always look forward to moving towards the private sector because of its own opportunities especially as far as career growth and diversity is concerned mm-hmm. so um how would you sort of describe your own experience whether it's uh, from a technical standpoint or whether it's from certain gaps that you noticed certain things which were difficult or certain things where you found that because you had that government experience prior that made you a much stronger candidate
1: i think I think the main um, issue here is this is very personal. Um, everyone has their own reasons why they are in a job or why they leave a job or why they want to become something else. Um, you have to find out what is that reason. Um, for me personally, it was a thing of purpose. Um, I, I need to know that the, the time I spent um, is purposefully and, you know, contributes to a better world, you know, all these la de kind of um, uh, things. But that for me was a reality. I then left the intelligence agency. Um, it was a very personal time for me because I felt I felt that my purpose had changed. And um, so the purpose was now to go into training and have a bigger impact um, on the security um, of the country, the region, and maybe in even the rest of Africa uh, and really try to influence people in the way in, that in which they do intelligence. So, So my first issue is, what is your purpose? Because purpose is very, you're in a safe environment in the national security law enforcement environment. You have one purpose, to keep the country safe or to catch the criminals, you know, whatever is your purpose. But when you go to the private sector, you have to be very clear about, you know, um, what are those issues. And for some, really, they struggle uh, to find their purpose. Now, the reason why I I I emphasize purpose is your purpose in life is closely related to your job satisfaction and your professional identity. Um, So, um, you know, I can't really say uh, this, what is the case for anyone else, but this for me was very important. So what I would find in the private sector uh, when I moved away from the training environment uh, to an actual intelligence unit was the purpose for me was as simple as keeping the company and its people safe. And frankly, that was enough purpose for me. So it was. Um, but I know this is a big culture shock for those people coming from national security or law enforcement going into the private sector because the culture is different. Um, the organizational culture is different. Leadership is different. Um, depending on the organizational culture, you know, either you're allowed more to be a rebel than you were previously, or, you know, you've been allowed um, leeway to do whatever you want to do. That's, that's the kind of things that um, you have. um, That was a a real uh, thing to me in terms of the difference. The other thing was also in the difference between uh, national security um, is that, um, Intelligence is whatever your client think it is in the private sector. Um, while in the national security law enforcement everyone knows what intelligence is and what intelligence analysts are supposed to do. Well well we hope most of the people in that environment know what their purpose is. But in private sector, intelligence sometimes is is a bad word. You you know, um, in our environment we were rightly told don't use that word. Intelligence are spooky. Um, so then we had to change our terminology and our language that we use so that it suits the culture. Um, so the difference, therefore, is that intelligence is whatever your client think it is. If your client think that you have a profile, uh, um, a copy and paste profile from credit bureaus and from the Internet and social media, on who a certain person is. If that for him is intelligence, that is the deliverable. It's frustrating for you because you know it can be so much more if, if you just have more access to information. Talking of access to information, private sector does not have access to secrets. And if you have, then the issue is where did you get it and if, if it's legal. So, um, you know, in our kind of environment in South Africa, it's um, it's very clear we don't do that kind of things. Um, so we really focus only on open source intelligence uh, to people uh, we talk to, um, luckily now you can talk, and say, this is for my I work, I need information on this, do you know more about this and that? Which you could not do when you were in national security. And uh, there you had collectors to go out and get the information. Now you can go out on your own. So um so although it's negative, the fact that intelligence is whatever your client think it is, the positive of, of that is you can command the whole intelligence process within the private sector. You prioritize, you understand what the context is, you collect, you um you analyze and you deliver. Um, and that is really fulfilling. And that for me is fulfilling. And what Bookie said is very true. Um, in the private sector, I was, uh, so, sorry, in national security, I was intelli- intelligence analyst at the most, I think, on three countries simultaneously, all right? Um, and I had to know everything about that, economic, social, political, etc., etc. In the private sector, we i need to know a bit about seven to nine different types of threads so what you're getting very good at is to know who knows and to know what's what in what website knows the best and it's sort of okay to copy and paste in that kind of environment as long as you can add the so what to the things that you have copied and pasted in terms of what is the situation in a specific um, city in Southeast Asia because you know who your people are, you know to w- w- which hotels they are going, you know what kind of things they are doing um, and that is the kind of then customised so what that you provide your client.
0: Okay. Well, um, you know, just uh, very, very interesting to hear how you sort of cap off the fact that there's a lot of there there's a lot more independence and a lot more agency on the part of the analyst that they get to be in control of the almost actually the entirety of the 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 whole the whole collection aspect where i guess in government roles are very very truncated you know broken down into sort of some sort of specificity um which uh, you've obviously described as having some enjoyment but uh, i don't know what book he thinks about this but I can also recall it feeling very, very, very uh, unnerving because, you know, it's this aspect of moving from a very structured environment into one where you actually make the decisions about certain things that happen with the collection. And, you know, obviously there's those first jitters of, I actually get to ask someone and tell them that I'm doing this and we actually get to share uh, information with other other organizations. Um, Obviously, a very, very huge change to the whole secrecy aspect. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that, Mookie. Um,
2: I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree. But then you brought up um, a whole different point of intelligence sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think absolutely varies across sectors, right? Because you do have um, intelligence analysts in, like, you know, the the private sector, for example, who use, um, you know, platforms like OSAC um, or, you know, you have WhatsApp groups and, you know, you like they so you, say, honestly, you just pick up the phone and call someone, you know, you work at a company, you can call someone else at a different company, maybe in the same sector. And there's that liaising that happens. On usually a more personal level um, between analysts and between security professionals, that I think within the national security sector is just a little different because you have a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of politics happening behind the scenes that you just don't see the same level of intelligence sharing. And this is my, in, my, in my experience, you know, across you know, um, intelligence sectors, you know, across intelligence agencies rather, where, you know, one agency is hesitant to share information with another agency. And we know how crucial that is in in intelligence, right? Information sharing, because that's that's how we prevent um, a lot of issues, right? Because a lot of times we don't have the full picture.
0: That concludes part two of our special featurette on intelligence tradecraft in Africa. Dr. Dalian Duvenage, we look forward to having you on here again. Until next time.